0: Hey everybody, Cheryl Todd here from Gun Freedom Radio. And as you can tell, I got a little bit of a cold and my voice is a little bit squeaky, but we could not wait another day to have my friend back on. This is Pete Philippe who's joining us today. He is a lifelong gun owner, collector, and shooter. He has also been interested in the internet and the progression of that technology. He realized that he could combine those two passions and create an online platform to share firearms culture, Second Amendment history, and bring gun communities from all across the nation together with his network of 2A websites, gun channels, and gun websites. Welcome to the show, Pete.
1: Hey, welcome back. Thanks for uh, uh, having the show, even though you're still recovering. Appreciate it.
0: Well, I appreciate that. When you say welcome back, that's because I've been gone for a week trying to have a little bit of a family vacation. And as we were saying off air, I I was sick when I left because I'm just pushing it too hard. And then I felt pretty good while I was gone, and I'm sick when I come back. So what are you gonna do, you know? But at least I did have those few days of. Um, you know i was
1: just thinking it had some punctuation because i was thinking as i said welcome back and this is going to be recorded well it's being recorded now but it's going to be presented in the future we're definitely dealing with some weird time stuff so (laughs) i guess it's sort of having a, a real life thing like that is sort of the punctuation in our live lives right
0: that is definitely the truth and uh Just in case anybody's wondering, it is October 11th, a Friday in the year of 2019. And uh, so anything we talk about here that's time sensitive, uh, that helps you ground yourself in that. I, I found with some of my early shows, I never said the year. And so if we had like, hey, there's this great event coming up or something like that, then I would get these emails, people asking me, hey, I don't see any information about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> so, so now I, I try to put a, a year on it um, That's so awesome. he, think
1: about how awesome that is because when, when we do these things we think of them as experiments half the time and you know maybe this will work and then when they catch on like your show on Freedom Radio is awesome and it's cool that you've been fluid or flexible with your platform because even now this is a, a treat to have these kind of interviews You know, as you get back to the, the show format again
0: well, I so appreciate that. And it it has been a fun um, venture to be able to, you know, have the full-on shows where we would have definite segments and, you know, four to six guests every week. And now I'm really enjoying, at least for the time being, this way of doing the, the interviews where we can really go in-depth and we can take a decent amount of time with each individual guest and uh, offer it up in not only a video format... But also the audio of these interviews is separated out for people that they don't care what we look like, right? They don't care to watch us talk. They just want to listen in while they're driving or whatever. So, um, you know, technology has really been our friend uh, over these, these few years with this grand experiment called Gun Freedom Radio.
1: Well, maybe that-, that can segue. Uh, when we have this tech, I think, well, we're going to talk about the Shooter's Almanac, a new project I've been working on. As you mentioned, I've been interested in guns all in my whole life, Second Amendments, really, adamantly, since 2015 when we attended the Gun Rights Policy Conference, the last, well, the second to last time I traveled here to Phoenix. And, uh, and, not taking our rights for granted, you know. After the, the, the stuff that happened in twelve, and then the reaction by Obama in the beginning of two thousand and thirteen, which seemed dire. It seemed uh, like he was going to change the way the government works by doing, the, you know, the things from the executive branch that should be done from the other branch. And it seemed like he had a, a cultural free free path, and we saw that uprising, that grassroots, that was inspiring, and that's really what started us into being more again aware of our the, the what we the, the environment we're in, right? And uh and I'm been a big advocate for the new media and and using this technology, uh the dissemination of information, well I guess democratizing the, the dissemination of information, allowing us with our phones to share. Now that's a whole new set of challenges. We have to filter, we have to know what Uh, is foreign agents or outside actors influencing our our platforms because it's very easy to manipulate these things especially if you've got resources and uh, so as audience we have challenges but as just people who are uh, interested in firearms or freedom or self-protection or or investments or whatever the aspect of, of firearms might be that you're interested in there's a lot of knowledge out there and with the internet growing every day and the I, one of the ways I describe it when I first started playing online and doing things in the 90s, end of the 90s and in the beginning of the 2000s, with a much slower internet and a smaller internet, we would build lakes. It's like we we would accumulate information and put it places, and people would find it using search engines. But people would fish. They would surf. They'd go to those repositories of information and seek. And and as the internet changed and platforms and social. uh, became more of the use of the internet and phones, of course, you know, the facilitation of how we interact with them, broadband, you know, fast internet, there's people that don't even remember slow internet. Uh, (laughs) When we have this kind of internet, what we've changed to is more of a river. People, they log in, they sit down at the side of the river and they watch the stream that goes past them. There are those lakes that they go to and they can find information, but very few people look for information or seek information anymore. Now it's what's presented to you and how it's presented to you, and, and and the convenience of having information presented. The danger there, of course, is who's feeding that to you or what you choose to to look at. Um, so with that uh, environment, uh, and as in being an advocate of the uh, online uh, things online, uh, I've accumulated info over the years just. Listening to conversations like yours, honestly, we were talking about this in one of the other chats about the Shooter's Almanac. Where did all this information come from? Uh, people like yourself with Gun Freedom Radio, you you might have an about page, you have a pretty decent webpage, but somebody like Diana Mueller, she starts a DC project, did she archive it? Probably not, doesn't actually say like you just said. You don't think about it when you start a project that I'm gonna put the year on here. Okay, we started in April because it's October, right? Maybe two years later, you decide to put a date in there, but some people never think about that. So when it comes to, you know, I listen to an, an interview of yours, or uh, let's include Charlie, right? Jack with Charlie, or James Kalita, uh now J- John Crump. Uh, great interviews the Second Amendment advocates. Um, somebody like Craig, or, or um, uh Ayyub even, or somebody will say something about what they did in the 1980s. So I had these websites, and at some point, uh, one of my projects was to uh, inspire and, and motivate people by giving them some two way history on my youtube channel on my some of my websites that have to do with calendars and events so I would start to record that data if i'd hear it on a on a show and after years of doing that there's a lot of data there and it 's on websites so it 's what it is um, you can lead a horse to water you can build a website but you can 't make people go to it so what the shooter's Almanac is is, an opp- is, an, is a, a, what's the word i don 't want to say opportunity it 's a It's a project to take some of that data and put it in the form of an almanac, like a shooter's almanac or like a sports almanac where they record uh, history or uh, calendar of events or records and things like that, Uh, and to put it in a booklet or a book, you know, it's going to be technically a 68-page full-color, pocket-sized book, Uh, put it in a format that can get into people's hands, ideally in full color and, you know, interesting, so that people want to, Check it out, but to take some of that data that's been kind of collected over the years that um, I found interesting and put it in a calendar type of format. Uh, so it's, uh, I'm considering the next step in Second Amendment awareness. Our job, our goal is to uh, inspire daily, weekly, and monthly uh, motivation through uh, information and inspiration. So seeing when something was invented or when someone started an organization. Um, so many of us have trouble sometimes, or if you're not familiar with having conversations with people who are maybe anti-gun or anti-Second Amendment, uh, having a conversation with them is easier. It's more comfortable when you've got knowledge, when you've got information. So for example, they're going to suggest that we're not diverse. Knowing what organizations are out there and when they started is comfortable. It makes you more knowledgeable in a discussion and more confident. And for the person that you're having the conversation or the debate with, and as importantly, or maybe even more important, that the spectators to that conversation, the more knowledgeable and aware that our side is, it just shows that we have actual interest in this. We're not just regurgitating talking points. that are so often bullet points provided, you know, for a specific situation at a specific time. And I think the alternative, you know, the, the, the contrast between someone who's knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about Second Amendment history, the shoulders that we stand on, who the people are that, and the organizations are that, brought us to where we are today in a time when we have CCW in all 50 states, many states with constitutional carry, uh, suppressors and hunting, you know, so there's lots of stuff to be negative about. And the other side will always focus on that. So the idea is to bring some of that history into a book and uh, get it into gun shops. Ideally, uh, we're going to try to get it to a price point that shops and show promoters, gun show promoters can uh, purchase it and make profit on it. So it's, there's an incentive for them. We left a place on the back so they could mark it with either the show or the shop, to let people know where they got it. And uh, the idea is to accomplish three things. One, to make Second Amendment history less confusing, kind of sort it out. Uh, second is to let people know about the things that are happening throughout the year. We have so many things that happen uh, that you know, it's good to be able to plan it to know when something's coming, mm. and then finally, just to educate and motivate, give somebody, give people a new thing to, to inspire them about our Second Amendment and and the history that you know so so much a part of our culture.
0: Absolutely, you know, I love that you you brought up the shoulders on which we stand, um, because that is so important uh, to understand not only world history and not only american history but also the history of this whole conversation or debate or battle like whatever word you want to put in there over our natural given god-given rights to self-defense that have been written as a constitutional protection in the Bill of Rights, called the Second Amendment. If we don't understand what people have done before, then not only do we not have the same amount of respect for the what has been tried and maybe hasn't worked in another generation, but what has been tried and why it worked in a certain generation. And um, you know, I'm a big proponent of uh, I think it's the title of a book actually. Uh, but what brought you, what got you here? may or may not get you there where you want to go. But if you don't even know what it was that brought you here, then you're a little bit rudderless. Um, So I think this is such an incredible resource that you are building here and suggesting here and putting it kind of all in one place. Now, is this going to be sort of a a year-to-year kind of a living document? Because there are events that are... New and springing up, and there are events that and groups even that used to be thriving and and have now waned.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like the the I think the almanac implies like a, a annual thing, so um, that would be the goal. In fact, as I'm putting it together, I have a focus. I have a focus probably on two A more than anything, especially this year. I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate of being aware going into the election next year, where the boomers are going to hand the baton to the. Gen Y's and the influence that the Boomers had or have uh, is going to go down, keep going down, and the, the Gen Y's are voting for their first time in a national election. They're going to pick up. You're both around twenty something percent, and then uh, they're going to the the Gen Y's are going to continue on. The Boomers will will get smaller. So I think that this is an important year to let people know about where we come from, but not just history, but also the the some of the things like KD or um the dc project right dc projects in his third year or yeah. third year yeah
0: and, we're uh, babies year, we're brand new
1: well i mean but next year will be fourth year and babies in comparison to the entire thing yes but as far as like things happening now i mean that's kind of long i mean there's there's groups that are literally just popping up right um uh, uh Mike Sedini, SWAT Talk America, that's that's fairly, I mean, that's, you guys seem like you've been around for a while compared to Walk the Talk America, so um, I want people to be inspired to that there's new things starting today, but also there's a lot of duplication of effort, and people get frustrated if they start an organization, they don't realize that six other people maybe have started something similar, or you know, they're, they're maybe just, you know, both devoting resources to something where if they work together, maybe they'd help, so there's some of that to, to, not so much just focus on the past, but to keep aware of our recent history too. And again, to motivate people. Um, people like Craig uh, Deleuze and FPC and coffee with Craig, like yourself, um, just you know doing a lot of stuff is is gets people aware that you know it's not all. Um, I don't know if you just watched YouTube and you thought that the only way to to succeed online would be to shoot a fifty BMG at a number of cell phones or something. You know, some kind of a stunt. Um, that, you know, if, if you don't have an alternate, something to look at, or you don't get, uh, you know, have something waving over to the stuff that isn't so flashy, uh, it's not always there. So this is an effort to, to give credit where credit's due, I guess. And some of that, a lot of that credit, honestly, is, is modern. It's fairly recent. And then something else is when you were talking about the the waves of attack we've had as Second Amendment advocates, as, as gun owners, uh, that's changed over the years, and this new kind of uh, Channel the new challenges are many for sure. I mean, the tactics have changed as well, and more numerous, more often is part of their uh, strategy now. But it, you know, it kind of originally started with, or there's been different waves, and some of the past waves were against hunting or against where you can shoot. And knowing those that history too is, is something that I just, you know, again, it's the, the, the idea is to remind people of some of the events in history that. We don't want to repeat, and to know why we have a resolve, to know why your dad was upset about something or why grandpa was upset about something is one thing, but to understand the story behind it means you're probably gonna pass it down to the next generation to be concerned about it, right?
0: Well, absolutely, and one of the things that is so um, disturbing and shocking to me is that just a generation ago, talking about you know my dad or my grandpa, just a generation ago, it would have been political career-ending rhetoric to even come close to the stuff that all of the current Democratic uh, presidential candidates are proudly basing their, uh, their platforms on as far as their stance towards the Second Amendment, their hatred toward Firearms in general, and you know, I think my you know relation to that rhetoric, um, a real disdain for the people that value the Second Amendment, and you know, daily live out our our heritage and our rights um, to self-protection and teaching our children, and you know that sort of thing. I mean, if it can turn that fast that in my dad's, uh, when my dad was my age, that it would have been a career ender for a Beto O'Rourke to stand up on a stage anywhere or whisper in a dark room, you know? Oh, heck yes, we're taking away your your AR-15s and your AK-47s and you know all that sort of thing. To now, he's making t-shirts, this Beto guy, because he's so proud of that stance. I think that absolutely is about a lack of historical understanding in in the voting public um, and a value and appreciation of why do we even have a second amendment? Why did our founding fathers realize that it was so important to write it down in words and then add the kind of like gun rights for dummies clause that only appears in one place in the, the Bill of Rights, and that is, that this whole thing we just wrote, this whole Second Amendment thing, these 27 words include, shall not be infringed. Um, And so something like your shooter's almanac, that can help to combat the ignorance and the apathy that has led us to this place that we have uh, Beto O'Rourke's jumping on tabletops and getting all excited about banning people's property, right? Confiscating, right? Volu- what do they call them? Uh, voluntary mandatory buybacks. Like, okay, so voluntary and mandatory, <laughs> those don't go together, first of all. But I guess we voluntarily, mandatorily pay taxes. So some of that has bled into feeling normal to us in America, and it shouldn't. It, we, it should be an aberration to us.
1: It's an enforced option, right? Like it's, it, as long as you volunteer, there's no problem. It's just when you don't want to volunteer, the, the force becomes necessary. I think that's the Overton window. Is that the word for it? Um, when they, um, they they depend on people's lack of awareness of the past to change what today's perception is. And they do that incrementally and they change what's normal. They change what's appropriate. So I think, yeah, that's one things that, you know, in my time doing the, uh, inter- the internet stuff and the. The, in the conversations, I don't really post stuff online. I quit doing that back in 2012 or 13. Instead, I've been focused uh, on creating community and uh, trying to create awareness and, and unify and create momentum on our side. And uh, part of that is being aware that this Overton window, like you say, has shifted. And it's just so dramatic right now that it's kind of obvious. But the incremental shifts are unnoticeable. And hopefully the almanac and some of the stuff i have done online to remind people, I mean, there's the big things, the obvious things, you know, the 23 in front uh, suggested uh, executive actions that happened at shot show uh, for the industry, at least. I mean, you remember when that happened at shot, everybody kind of paused and they had those big TV screens. I mean, it was literally the entire industry was aware of that to that degree. So that's hard to forget for us, but you know, so I try to remember or remind people about that, but some of the little stuff that's just less known, uh, is an attempt to remind people where the window used to be and not that we long for the past or that things need to be concrete by no means it's just that they're they're moving in a direction and you can either sit by and drift and allow it to happen to you or you can be aware and act with intent and say no this is not the direction we want it to head if anything it should be heading in a direction towards less we, you know, we have lots of reasons lots of justification why it should be less but Anyway, so this is a, again to combat the apathy, combat the indifference, and to combat—I don't like to call it ignorance, because that implies that people intentionally maybe didn't learn, or they had the choice and they didn't. Because some, so so much of this takes forever to find it. Now, if you want to find, for example, the exact date that KD started um, aiming for the truth, he might not even know. I think when I asked him, you know, he says he thinks it might have been on one of these two occasions but you know without him actually having been asked that publicly it would never be recorded so it's just you know that kind of stuff is isn't findable you can't just go on Wikipedia yet and and find all this information and you'd have to you would have to look for it so this is just an attempt to put it all in people's hands so that um, they can pick it up thumb through it uh, we didn't really talk too much about the book itself but um, I am um, trying this is my first attempt publishing I've done uh, lots of different projects over the years uh, and, and this is something that's been on my mind. Actually, I was thinking about doing a calendar. Uh, you and some of my other gun shop friends that do calendars each year you know, do calendars, and you know, how many calendars can you have on the wall? So my idea was to try to get this yearly information, and I certainly didn't want to make it a book, so of course I've always had a far- farmer's almanac, and I've seen some other almanacs and stuff, so anyway, I, I, I got the influence from that, and I'm trying to use every square inch of this book. So it's it's got timetables, it's got uh schedules I've got a podcast schedule so every podcast that I know of that's firearms related we have a weekly schedule in there so people can find it of course that'll change over the years I think you asked if you if I planned on making this yearly um I do and if it if if I can I'd like to make like a hunter's edition a, a competition shooting edition uh some you know that are kind of focused because there is so much stuff to put into the calendar side um it can be well, it would be a lot bigger if I actually put every single thing, you know, if I put in like dates of things like the, uh, well, the, the gunfight at the OK Corral, for example, that's a big one in history, but there's lots of old West history. You know, we live out here in the Arizona. Uh, we're we're immersed in that stuff. So if I added a lot of those anniversaries and then, you know, it would be a much thicker book. Uh, so in the future, if it's popular, if it catches on, I might do flavors of it. But yeah, the idea is to do one each year uh, to update it. I might even do a mid-year for things like the Second Amendment uh, rally that's coming up that kind of came out of nowhere mid-year. Uh, and then when I'm producing it now, things like Big Sandy, the machine gun shoot here in Arizona, hasn't happened yet. Uh, there's things that you know have yet to happen this year, so they're not promoting their, 220 or their 2020 schedules for confusion reasons. So some of these things I either don't know what the n- next year's will be, or you know, I have to contact them, so I might do a mid-year um, again, depending on what the, the demand is for that. But I'd like to also mention that I'm not just doing this as a project to make money. There are really um, lots of things out there uh, to 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 use as, as uh, income. So this is really just a project to get the book into people's hands. I'm doing it on a crowdfunding platform for a couple of reasons. Uh, crowdfunding is the idea that uh, people can... Purchase it ahead of time, usually for a little bit cheaper, a little bit less money sometimes just for the opportunity to get the first run. Uh, But in this case, it's a book. It's not like a new gadget or anything. So um, the idea is to have a bunch of people uh, purchase them so I can do a larger initial run, like anything when you purchase many, you get it at a cheaper price. And then the goal would be to get these into gun shops and gun shows. My original plan for the Almanac when I first started this concept, uh, you know, like the Dandy Dime or the, the, the Auto Weekly or the Boat classifieds that you get at the convenience store or the gas station that they just have for free my mm-hmm. idea was to build something like that in a in a very inexpensive format that gun show promoters could have or someone could sponsor to have at a gun show and just offer this kind of two-way info and you know you've gone to gun shows when you pick up a flyer or something if it's a schedule for the shows you might keep it but if it's a flyer that says You know, there's one specific show coming up. You may just read the date and leave the flyer there or whatever. There's no incentive to pick something up usually. So I thought this might be something that people want to pick up. They seek it out. And then if the back of it was like a gun show calendar or a list of all the gun shops in town, something like Alan Corwood's map of Arizona that had all the gun shops listed, that was a great effort. Um, That was my original plan for it. So obviously it's changed a little bit. I'm making it a full color, actual bound book, I guess. Uh, But... I'm doing it as a crowdfunding for the first uh, concept, so that we can get you know a bunch of people jump in. We get it cheap enough, then I can still get it to gun show, gun shop, excuse me, gun show promoters uh, at a cheap enough price that they might be able to buy them in real bulk and get them out, uh, or up just for shops. You uh, know, the shops right now they can get them for four bucks. They retail for seven sixty-two. So maybe there's an opportunity there for shops to make a few dollars. And, and that's sort of the alter- ulterior motive to it, is doing it as crowdfunding. And uh, with the rally, we'll talk about here in a bit, um, one of the opportunities of the rally, one of the challenges of the rally is getting people to DC. And one of the challenges in our community is getting people into gun shops and communicating with each other. People that create content, who I deal with a lot, uh, either for online or writing or pictures or whatever they're doing, um, tend to think that they need to do that as being an amateur. And I don't think that's the way it needs to be. When we have gun shops that are struggling and they pay a lot of money for traditional advertising that doesn't reach shooters, doesn't reach people that are into guns, and then we've got people that have phones in their pockets and understand that it doesn't take much effort at all to create a channel and to do something online that can help that shop. So my goal is to uh, maybe have this as a catalyst that lets somebody say, hey, I've thought about this, I've seen this guy's doing the Shooter's Almanac, but you wanna buy some, or you know, approach a shop, let them know, it's a, it's a catalyst for conversation. And if it's something that you can help them raise a few bucks and you get a little credit and they, it gets you in the door so you can start doing some work with them, great. Uh, I get to talk to people like Cheryl and others who I'll be having uh, interviews with throughout the month about crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is a vital. I, I find it a, a, one of the best potentials we have in the firearms community because firearms owners understand the struggle. They understand that they're not seeing what they want in media, and it's because as content creators, we're often stifled or ignored or whatever, and we can we can be frustrated that we don't get to do whatever somebody who's just selling shoes or selling a new type of hat we don't get to do what they do because these are commerce platforms and they have issues of politics and you know we're trying to change that Overton window, but until we do that, um, we don't need to depend on on not being able to play in the big pool. We have a plenty of people and we have just a few people creating content, so I'd like to get more and more people aware of this crowdfunding idea. uh, As we get authors, bloggers, people that aren't typically uh, content, or excuse me, from my experience, people that do the crowdfunding tend to come from YouTube and Instagram and that kind of thing, but when we can bring in some actual writers, some people writing books, get some books done on the crowdfunding platform so that larger audiences that aren't online understand the tools that we have online then we can become a stronger uh, community when we have shows like yours that don't have to worry about uh, appealing to the masses. Uh, so I, I really think crowdfunding is a neat thing. So I'm doing it on crowdfunding. It's a campaign that started on the second of the month. It'll end on the 26th of this month in October. Uh, that's the anniversary of the OK Corral. It's the day that uh, Harry Derringer was born in 1855. And it's the anniversary of, uh, the was it the Protection of Commerce? Uh the one that Hillary Clinton is trying to petition to be removed, where um, they actually put a law into effect thanks to the Saturday night specials out in California and Glock uh, where someone tried to sue someone uh, for the sue the manufacturer for a crime committed with a firearm, and they had to put a special stipulation in there that you can't sue Ford for something that happens in a car, you can't sue Glock for something that happens in a, in a with a gun so a lot of people that don't like Glocks that we have Glock to thank for that, that legislation. It's a pretty interesting one. but uh, So anyway, I try to start my projects and end them on interesting dates. So it'll end on the 26th of October. Um, more than likely, it looks at this rate like it'll be funded, but we would encourage anybody who's uh, on the fence or thinking that they'd like to uh, help the project out, uh, you can jump on and get an early one for 5 bucks. Uh, the cover price will be $7.62, 7.62. Everyone knows why. And you can get an earlier one. Or uh, wait and hopefully you'll see them in stores. But this is really, it's not, I didn't, you know, I could have probably gone to somebody who's rich and say, hey, I got an idea. I'm gonna buy these books and I can get them at th- this price and I can sell them at that price. Let's make some money. Instead, I'm trying to do these as crowdfunding uh, efforts. This is my 31st on Indiegogo. I've done more on other platforms as well, but every, every about since the fifth one, I've uh, offered. Uh, people I know in the industry, that are Second Amendment advocates. If you want to look over my shoulder, if you want to see what the dashboard looks like, if you want to see what the prep is, what you have to do during, and then how you follow through on these things, um, crowdfunding is really neat. It's a, it's a legitimate platform. The Indiegogo platform is massive. It's, there's Kickstarter, there's Indiegogo. There's other things like Patreon. But these platforms are social media platforms in themselves. Uh, I might be preacher to the choir for some people, but if you've never experienced it, if you see things like Shark Tank or those kind of venture capital type of projects that are out there, um, when I first did my first project, it was a deck of cards. And so I started to look around at other projects out there and the other cards were mostly art, nothing to have to do with guns. But then I found a, like a restaurant that I thought was cool and I could put $5 into this guy, starting a um, truck, what do you call it? A food truck in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I went to school for mushrooms. I wanted to grow mushrooms when I was uh, younger. Uh, gourmet mushrooms for restaurants so there was a place that was selling mushrooms in a bag and you'd you'd send the bag off poke some holes in it put it in the dark and mushrooms pop out to venture capital something like that somebody in Canada I think it was for $5 just to know that I helped uh, a small business start or something that is really neat and these platforms uh, attract people who are interested in putting a couple of dollars into projects that don't need to exist you know we're capitalists you know, in capitalism, is something the market drives things. Things need to exist because there's a, a you know, they're, they're filling a need. I build things that don't need to exist necessarily, or you know, that there's not a, uh, a, a need for. So, uh, vent, uh, the crowdfunding platforms allow people that don't have something that is filling a, a an immediate hole, uh, that gives them an opportunity to have just a few people back it. And I think there's some real power there, especially once the sec- the Second Amendment community figures that out. Um, the discretionary money that we spend could so easily be diverted into projects like Tony Simon, who went from just a few dollars a month on Patreon, uh, which is a monthly subscription, very much like NPR or PBS, or if you appreciate what someone's doing, you can uh, subscribe to their project. He went to thousands of dollars. You know, five years ago he said, "I'm gonna. I don't like what's going on in New Jersey. I'm gonna start bringing people to the range." I'm sure you've talked to him. So those are kind of projects that, again, people could decide not to eat out once a week or they could not rent a movie i mean it's literally just a few dollars times a thousand people efforting that way can change our second amendment so i do it as crowdfunding to have an an excuse to talk to cheryl and other people about that to get the audience that i talk to to understand that there's more than one way to fund our projects in our community and then lastly uh we've got the the uh, uh second amendment rally we can talk about and i think that. I'll just transition out of the almanac and say that I, I had to make a decision. I could either put this off another year or another month, but I decided to take the challenge and do this during the rally because it's an opportunity to have these conversations about the almanac and then transition into the rally.
0: Very good, I love it. Now, just to make it 100% clear so nobody can feel lost and like they they don't know where to go to help with the crowdfunding, tell us exactly what we would type in to be able to find your project and help out.
1: Thanks. That's um, all over the place. So uh, it's on Indiegogo, which is a crowdfunding platform. But if I tried to give you that URL, it would be like an arm and a leg. It's really long. So instead, just go to shootersalmanac.com. Shooters, like it sounds like, as Alan Carwin would say, we're shooters. Those are murderers. They don't get to marginalize us. They don't get to take our words. We're shooters. It's the Shooters Almanac. And then almanac.com uh, and then it'll point you over to the crowdfunding.:
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I will be going there as soon as we're done with our chat. That is for sure. I think this is such a exciting and worthy project um, that it's it's a little you know sometimes there's those moments in, in life when you're like, "How is there not already something like this?" you know but right, exactly um, like I'm like, come on, this should this should exist, right? Yeah, so I, I love it that you didn't you know point to somebody else and go, You should or somebody else should. You just said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go oh, well, and see I'll, what happens.
1: I'm lazy. I pointed and challenged and, and urged. And now I'm just having to do it.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, and you did mention that coming up very soon, there is I I wanna call this a historic and unique Second Amendment rally that's happening on the west lawn of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. on November 2nd, 2019 from one to four p.m. And I'm gonna have you kind of dive in, you know, because you are a bit of a historian. You are building this almanac. You are helping us understand where we've come from uh, so that we can better understand where we're going. Why might someone call this a historic Second Amendment rally, a unique Second Amendment rally.
1: Yeah, what an amazing opportunity. And yeah, definitely unprecedented. I think there's been individuals that have attempted to have rallies in the Capitol, but never at a time when we had a a conversation, a national conversation like we've got today. All the different organizations have existed for years. Uh, The the established uh, systems of communication on the social platforms or just email and people like this being able to communicate. We've got more and more content creators that are focused on second amendment that have created audiences and those audiences are getting stronger and smarter every day. And then we have the NRA. We don't have to get too much into it other than to say the NRA is in a unique situation right now and going into 2020 the antis are going to probably be holding the NRA's head on a stick whether or not it deserves it, whether or not the circumstances they're going to suggest that the NRA is failing and they're going to suggest, of course, they're going to take the credit and say that it's from their pressure. They're going to also suggest that it has to do with uh, us, the actual members who make up, or the gun owners that make up the membership of the NRA and what that represents. They're going to suggest that our apathy and our indifference are the you know is, is the reason why the NRA is in the position it's in. So without even focusing on that, we're in a place where, again, we have an election cycle where the, the boomers are handing their influence to the People have never voted before, and I don't have any pessimism on that. Op- that generation, I think they're skeptical. I think they're aware. I think they use tools like never before. They've got uh, you know, valid concerns, and they know that they can change the world. They're not. They're not. Um, they're, I think I'm, I'm very optimistic. So what this rally gives us is an opportunity in so many ways. It's it's uh, not funded by any. Um, political political party or any politician it's none of the three-letter gun owners rights groups it's not the NRA it's not the Gun Owners of America it's not the Second Amendment Foundation it's not FPC it's not even AZCDL one of the best state level organizations Um, it's it's just well once it happens everyone will be told where the money came from and it'll be obvious but it's no individual and the people that funded it which are just individuals asked a couple of individuals who they knew could get the ball rolling. Jeff Knox, whose dad was Neil Knox. He's literally been in his entire life, not making a dime. He makes his nine to five, doing something else completely. So they picked people that were reputable and able to get the ball rolling. And once they did, those two stepped out for the most part. And there's only one paid individual that I'm aware of, and that's the person who bought the permit or whatever, had to you know actually be the person to buy the permit or whatever it's called for assembling on the West. Is it the West Lawn?
0: Yes, I believe it's the West Lawn.
1: And uh, so that's the one I think that's between the, the Grant Memorial, the Capitol, and the, the big mall or whatever, the
0: You'll so, find uh, it because there will be thousands upon thousands right. of patriots gathered there, right?
1: So this is an opportunity to gather. And we have a First Amendment, we have a Second Amendment. We know what the Second Amendment's all about, but that first one came first. And that first one's got all kinds of parts to it. We got the freedom of speech, which is pretty cool. We like that a lot. We got the freedom of press and some people think that that's for other people but it ain't we all got phones we all have the ability to contribute there's platforms again the democratization of the dissemination of information is amazing the internet is awesome we're all the press at this point and then we've got the the right to assemble so we're gonna hit three of them right there and I'm probably missing a couple because I'm no expert but those are three big reasons why we're this country and why other people uh, either hate us or admire what we're doing And when's the last time we had a chance to exercise that? When we buy rifles, we're talking to Second Amendment people here, we're talking to gun people. When we buy a rifle, do we buy it for the sake of buying it as a ribbon on our chest or a feather in our cap and we put it in the safe? I'm sure some people might if you're collecting or investing, that's valid. But most people are going to buy a rifle and they're going to take it to the range and they're going to shoot it. They're probably going to buy an optic and they're going to sight that in and they're going to shoot it. And they're not going to be satisfied. They're going to try a couple of different brands of ammo maybe different types of bullet weights. They're going to, if they're hunting or something, they're going to try standing. They're going to try sitting. They're going to try kneeling. They're going to try when it's sunny or when it's dark so that they're best, they're proficient when they need to be. The reason we even do any of this stuff is for the ultimate reasons we ever need to be proficient with a firearm and we'll leave it at that. And there's plenty of people that will suggest that that's the ultimate reason for the Second Amendment. And that's valid. It's 100% true. However, you don't just pick up a gun and you're an expert. You don't just pick up a guitar and you're a guitar player, right? You practice. You don't just get to pick up free speech and you're an expert. You definitely can participate in free speech, but this is an effort to uh, to practice. So, you know, as Second Amendment advocates, uh, as people that appreciate the freedom that you say the Second Amendment provides, this is an opportunity to use the First Amendment and all those pieces to assemble and it's unprecedented. and We will never have, this will never happen again. The people that are funding it are not in, in, looking to have an annual event. They said they will not do it as an annual event. What, what, we've, what they are creating is an opportunity for people to work together for this entire month to get to DC, to have presence there. So that means motorcycle club that put on the last rally here in AZ, it'd be awesome to see them do a road trip. I would think that motorcycle clubs are looking for excuses to do road trips. There might be car clubs. There might be people that do stuff in RVs. Think about the people that travel to gun shows. This is literally like missing a gun show or two to save the, 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 the place that the gun shows, you know, this, the, this look up, the culture that gun shows exist for. Um, and then we talk about auxiliary stuff. There's uh, gun shops. Uh, there's uh, of course, holster manufacturers and ammo and stuff like that. But there's business owners that are gun people and they may have a, a I don't know some kind of club or some sort of hunting group or, you know, let's say you travel to to go elk hunting or something each year. You can make that a a, a, you know the same. You just travel to D.C. instead of Montana, or uh, uh, competitive shooters who travel to a state match. We have the potential for all these people who are already mobile to be there. We have the potential for just everybody like who's not regular or typically. Uh, run into Second Amendment events. When's the last time you went to a Second Amendment event that was more than uncomfortable to get to? Uh, I think for all those reasons, it's valuable. And then it's an opportunity as Americans, as people that live in a country that's built on guns and cars, road trips are part of our culture. And what better excuse to have a bunch of friends get together and drive for a couple of days to our nation's capital, attend an unprecedented Second Amendment event and then come home in the wake of that, that the consequences of this, the ripple that that's gonna make is amazing. Think about the ride homes that everybody's gonna have in the, 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 the uh, they're gonna be rejuvenated, they're gonna be motivated, they're gonna be inspired, they're gonna have talked to people and collaborated. The whole ride home is gonna be amazing and then people are gonna get home and talk to all the people that got them there. Nobody's, no no not a bunch of rich people that can just on a whim fly to DC or whatever. So all these people are going to come home and say, thank you. This was amazing. I'm going to share you with all these pictures. So we're going to be taking all these pictures. Imagine thousands of people are going to show up with cameras. We know what the media is going to say and half the people that aren't going are going to suggest that the media is going to take this, that they're going to put a spin on it. And that's our bad. We're going to be there. We are media. We're going to be there with cameras plastering this thing from every angle. Imagine if the big NBC or CBS or somebody like that comes in and tries to force a perspective or or suggest that it, the turnout was this or that, we have the opportunity to show it right to them. Like, no, hold them accountable. So this is an opportunity. I think, I can't, I can't describe it enough. This is something that has, need, has needed to happen for years. It couldn't happen at a better time. There's no way to suggest that the NRA is behind it. There's no way for the people that would are going to marginalize it and suggest, oh, it's just, there's no way. With the diversity of people they are going to show up, with the number of people that are going to show up, the quality of people that are gonna show up, there's no way to suggest that um, it's it's gonna be ignored by the political strategist or the politicians, and it's gonna be really difficult for the naysayers and the, the people that are willing to not do, uh, it's gonna be difficult for them to suggest that there's no consequences from it, because again, we're a very powerful, smart, motivated community, and this is gonna bring everybody together to to meet, it's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And they've already announced uh, the first wave of names of the speakers. There are several waves of of announcements that are coming. And just even in this first wave, you can see that there's a a great deal of diversity going to be represented at this rally. And so uh, some of the people that I've talked to, to say, hey, if there's any way you can come to this rally, Somewhere inside of them, some, some just say it outright and others, you can tell it's there, but they're not like saying it. Uh, they're, they're hoping, they're looking for who can they identify with that's going to be speaking. Um, because a lot of my audience, you know, we're not the, you know, pry it from a cold dead hands group. There are a lot of great people out there that, that really that is kind of like the core of their being. They are shall not be infringed, period, end of story. Um, but we all are looking for who can we identify with. And I think you're going to see in, in each wave of speakers that there are people that you can say, oh, yeah, that person is my voice. Like when I see them post a video or I hear them on an interview they are speaking what's in my own heart. And so um, just, I'll just read off a couple of the names here. We've got Chris Chang, right? So I don't know if if everybody's familiar with who Chris Chang is, but he is a, uh, he's of the LGBTQ community. He lives in San Francisco. He is an award-winning top shot champion, I mean, he, I think his original career was in something like IT or something, it you know? Kind
1: of tech and he was, the Top Shot was a game show, I guess you could say almost. It was, a, they'd bring different people who kind of knew guns, I guess, for like an hour. I think it was an hour show. And he was the, like, uh, the comedy relief, I think. He was just the guy who's like, oh, I'm self-taught. I shoot in the garage or, or I shoot in the backyard, I should say. You know, he's just like that guy up against seals and whatever, uh, you know, competition shooters and stuff and he and it because it was not just rifle and not just pistol it was a mix so no one had a an advantage his un, like unfamiliarity with everything and just willingness to do it was just a pleasure and that was the fourth year of the show so it had started it got momentum and i think that was one of the most watched years and what a what a great way to to show diversity i guess and whatever just the range of what the our community is but mainly because he wasn't a hardcore, like you say, he wasn't really into everything. He just was aware and able and had a lot of fun. Everyone was happy that he won. It was amazing. So it was such a great representation of the community. Can I just break in here and interrupt for a second? When you talked about um, finding someone of similar um, interest or point of view uh, to find at the rally, Awesome, right? That obviously valid, go to some place so you're comfortable. But I wanna express that after 15 years of doing what I've been doing, which is I haven't pursued anything. I've just enjoyed being online and experiencing and sharing our community as it grows with everybody and seeing that community grow. Now you've got a unique position. You've been to, well, I can't even imagine how many gun rights policy conferences, but then everything in between. So you've seen the industry and on 2015, it was already diverse. But what I'm getting at is when people gather at something like a gun show, gun rights policy conference, I think those are two big ones, but because you get such a mix of people at those. But SHOT Show, little less of a mix. NRA Show, really good mix, right? Regular old people, industry people, hardcore advocates, I could care less. What is this thing? I know everything about them, right? Everybody's at NRA Show. I think that's one of the best melting pots. What happens is the people that are hardcore one way, and the people that are hardcore the other way, and that might be only shotguns, and that might mean everybody gets a machine gun. They both, just like anything, like a rock tumbler, they start to figure out, you know, they, they by being in the presence of the other people, well, I don't like your position, but you're not a bad guy. I don't like your position, but you're not a bad girl. Boom, they get together and everything changes. So I just wanted to put out there that yeah, find the go to what attracts you, but then also realize that you are part, no single drop thinks it's responsible for the flood you participating, whoever it is I'm talking to out there, you participating, bring everything you bring. And as long as, like we get talk, uh, talked about at Amcon, as long as you're willing to accept and listen, then you can change a little bit. If you're willing to change a little bit, you're going to be changed by people who are valid, by people who you'd want to change with, that, you know, we want to merge together and become a group, a community. And this is an opportunity to Help others and change yourself a little bit, but I just want to throw that in there. That's another opportunity I see at the, well, anything, but at the rally specifically.
0: No, that's fantastic. It's kind of like you know uh, what's that old saying like, come for the the food, but stay for the the company, the conversation. You know, okay. so you know you might come because you you know that Diana Muller, the founder of the DC Project, who is just testifying in front of Congress, and and she says, you know, look, I'm I'm a law-abiding citizen, but I'm not going to comply with laws that are uh, anti-constitutional. And uh, so you might come because you know she's one of our speakers at the at the rally. Uh, but then you're going to also be exposed to, you know, some of the more hardcore uh, speakers. And then somebody who speaks from a historical perspective, Kevin Dixie. So, you know, just the initial list, uh, we've got Eric Blandford i talked people. about Mike
1: Sedini before, he's a speaker, and that's something that people don't think about, the, the angle of mental health and suicide and how those are used against us. It's mostly vets that are dying. It's it's, it's it's atrocious that they're using those numbers against us, and Mike's not just shouting about it or il- illuminating it, he's doing something about it. And if someone, like you say, shows up for Diana Mueller, who should be the boss of all 2A at this point, she's like the best uh head of like, if we had to pick a spokesperson, right? Every single aspect of her is legit. There's nothing they can pick apart. And she represents everybody, literally. Um, But anyway, if you go to see Diana or maybe shake her hand or say she's awesome, then you're gonna get to experience what Mike's gonna say. Or like you say, who knows what uh, Chris is gonna say, but his uh, AMCON speech was pretty awesome, (laughs) so.
0: Absolutely. So uh, Eric Blandford, I mean, he's known for being what a YouTuber, well, I, podcast?
1: Eric IB8088 on YouTube. So, yeah, he's a good guy. I've been out and shot with him in Georgia. He's just a regular dude. He's a vet, right? Started his YouTube channel and uh, mostly Milsurp stuff. He worked at a gun shop and he would, the gun shop was cool. They would, you know, let him come in and film stuff. And he's just like your cousin who likes guns on the internet. So, yeah, Eric's a really cool dude. And he's been around since like 13 when a lot of the channels, that had existed, like went from zero to hero. And well, I, I would say like, there, it's tough to say, like not too many of them. In fact, very few of them were like poor quality. Eric was good at the time and he just got better. And then because he's competent and he's got a good head on his shoulders, he's kept uh, motivated and kept things interesting. So yeah, I'm curious. I'm glad that he's showing up because so often YouTubers, um, you know, just have so many things to do and they're, kind of the celebrity catered to type of thing. They don't need to do this kind of stuff. And it certainly doesn't, it's not a win-win for him. He's going to get as much negative as he's probably gonna get positive for showing up, just the nature of the internet comments. So yeah, he's a, I would say, second largest YouTuber, maybe third largest YouTuber, I guess, depending on where the numbers are today.
0: So when you say that Eric might get some negative comments, as many as positive, you're not talking about the the anti rights people that all they are going to say is something University. negative. You're talking about people from within our our supposed community that are supposed to be keeping our eye on, you know, improving uh, our communication with our representatives and and, and uh, advocating for people to be more involved in the voting process and that sort of thing. Um,
1: but no, see, it's, it's tough online. You remember that you know there's there's anonymous platforms. YouTube. My biggest complaint about YouTube is it's anonymous platform. Anybody with an email and anybody can get an email anywhere can go on there and, and influence. So that means you can go on there and rip down somebody.
0: Now, oh, did I lose you? I may have lost you. Hang on. Okay, are you back? Bye.
1: All right, um, I, I wish I could say it was uh, Bloomberg and his efforts. I don't think that they have that kind of sophistication. I think what it is, honestly, is just a lot of kids. When you're 10 years old, 12 years old, and you figure out how to piss off adults, how, to, how you can anger parents and grandparents, we've got the internet times a thousand. There's no consequences. So let's not forget that a name isn't a 30-year-old individual life experience behind them. And when you blow stuff up, when, you stuff, when you're teaching you're, you're teaching in a way that's kindly, you're just ordering and offering instruction, but instead you're fostering, you're going to end up attracting people that abuse systems. So yeah, it, it can look like it's ourselves eating ourselves, but those people aren't active and those people won't be at the, the rally. So it's one of the other reasons, again, going back to the benefits of the rally when you go online, you can easily get frustrated, especially people that haven't been calloused, I guess, or familiar with the the negatives and the positives and what to ignore and what to blow off and what to really be concerned about online. Uh, Just like driving, Uh, if you'd never driven before, everything in the the, um, side of the road might be potentially a hazard. And after many decades of driving, you're not so worried unless it's in front of you, right? So same thing online, people go online, they see that it's, Oh, this is frustrating. There's, I can't tell what's what, and they'll leave in frustration, and that's that's difficult. And that's why I give credit, Eric credit again because he'll attract people that are the drive-by flamer, drive-by okay. troll, right? Just oh, here's and when you're huge, you could literally you could you could have a problem with Eric and hire somebody on Fiverr to bother him for 17 times a day for seven dollars. You know, there's there are ways that the systems can be used to, to poorly, but Anyway, so oh
0: my God. I say
1: just as many negative as positive. I don't mean that the the, the community's divided 50-50 by any means. It's just that it's uh, tedious and frustrating to weed through all that stuff online. And Eric's had the, again, been, he's been become calloused in a way that hasn't made him calloused over. Gotcha. Deal with well, that's,
0: that's important for us to know. Um, I do know that there are some people um, sort of in, you know, a little chat room here, or a chat room there, that are saying, you know, so we're holding this rally, it's on the lawn of the US Capitol building, where guns are not allowed, right? And so there's people that are saying, well, if I'm not allowed to have my gun, I'm not going. And you know what I say to them? Okay, that's all right. But, you know, there sometimes people take it a step further and they say that those of us that are gonna go are doing something wrong or, um, you know, giving in to, the man, or, you know, I don't know what they're saying because that's not my crowd. And that's not the way I process things. And I know that there's no way to stand outside of an an event or outside of a room or outside of an organization and try to shout my opinion in. I have to be involved. I have to uh, show up, do the work and change from within and getting people motivated and showing up and seeing, uh, the the wide variety of of people that truly do care enough to take time out of their life and drive and fly and whatever we need to do to get there that's going to encourage us just like you were saying it's going to spark conversations that we didn't have before it's going to motivate us to pick up the phone and interact with our legislators in ways we hadn't before help our representatives know how to represent us. Um, this can only be a good thing uh, if there are people that truly feel like you know uh that they would compromise their their values their personal values and personal principles to show up to a place that wouldn't allow them to open or conceal carry leakly okay i respect that but please don't do anything that makes it harder for your neighbor that really does want to go to now feel like well they're a traitor of some sort if they show up. That's, that's really all I want to say about that. But um, I will. Uh, I, I do want to n- tick down the names that they have announced so far. Uh, we do have Eric Blanford. We have Craig Deleuze. Uh, you mentioned Coffee with Craig. He's with uh, FPC. Um, there's Diana Muller, founder of the DC Project. Jonathan Patton. We have Mike Sodini of Walk the Talk America. Chris Chang, who is with Top Shot, Joshua Prince, who is an attorney, Eric Pratt, who is the, he's not the, the, I think he's the senior vice president of Gun Owners of America, and Kevin Dixie of No Other Choice, uh, firearms training and aiming for the truth. He was just out here in Arizona with us. I mean, that is a great mixed bag of uh, voices and perspectives um, that, you know, Behind the scenes and in personal private conversations, they might even not a hundred percent agree with each other on the method and the way to uh, engage in the debate to fight for the Second Amendment. But they don't let that stop them. They they do continue to go shoulder to shoulder to say the bigger issue here is teaching ourselves and teaching our children and our children's children. This is how we have a voice and this is how we engage to be sure that the next generation doesn't erode even more our constitutional um, protections. And um, I just want to say this too. You see this, see this document? See how tiny that is? See how thin that is? That is the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It takes about an hour and a half at most to read these pages. Read it for yourself. Don't constantly wait for somebody else to regurgitate it to you in and add whatever flavor they want. Read it for yourself and show up at this rally on November 2nd, 2019 in Washington, D.C. from 1 to 4 p.m. And Pete, I will let you take us out Uh, With any last thoughts you have on all of this and your almanac, of course, I want to touch back on how people can uh, learn more about our our history, their history through your uh, Shooter's Almanac. Right
1: on. Thanks again. And that last point you brought up about reading the Constitution. I'll throw another thing. When you read it, it's blatantly apparent when others are um, uh, misrepresenting. yeah. Or, you know, they're, 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 what's the word? They're, they're interpreting it in yes. an way. <laughs> so by knowing it, um, then you can more obviously see those things. Um, as far as the, the challenges to the, um, uh, people go into the, to the rally, uh, obviously, like you said, is makes sense. Um, I think part of the inspiration or part of the goal of it is to inspire others to do it. So if you think it's in the wrong place or the wrong time or for whatever reason wrong, do it. Do another one, there's nothing stopping anybody. And uh, I think that's one of the things that we'll see from the rally is that people will see how effective and useful it is and we'll see more gatherings. Um, I forget, I wish I could give credit, but it was earlier in the year. And, um, and of course, you know me, I'm, I'm an advocate for regularly getting together and coordinating as a second amendment community and somebody had brought up that rallies are ineffective and i and i, I don't want to get too far off because i'm specifically wrapping up but i unfortunately i it is not unanimous that rallies are effective if you ask i've asked and if you ask people in the second amendment community not everyone the people that run organizations right the big names they're not all in favor of rallies that's why we don't see a lot of rallies organized by the big three-letter organizations I don't necessarily disagree or agree because we haven't had rallies to know. They've been around long enough to see rallies fail, and that's why I don't like rallies, I think. We live in a 2019 where you know we have the experience of 2013, but the knowledge and skill set that we've acquired since then, so this is a different playing field. I'd like to see a rally. Um, so I think hopefully one of, the, one of the consequences of the rally will be much more uh, g- gathering. And like I say, somebody had mentioned earlier in the year, having the rallies... Instead of having rallies at capitals, start having them at ranges and then make them more like Tony Simon's diversity shoots where you have them as an orientation and a familiarization. Now, if you want to, you can also go over and sh- pull a trigger on this gun. But if you'd like to just know what they are and see them, we do this maybe quarterly at a range. And now maybe a gun shops get involved and you know mm-hmm. something like a, a range gets some, some attention, some use. So I, I think that there's some, some real potential coming out of it. Um, again, I, I had to decide: should I do the, the Shooters Almanac this month, or or wait a year or a month or whatever? And I decided to do it parallel with the promotion of the event. I have nothing to do with the event other than to be completely inspired and optimistic. This is going to be uh, an unprecedented event that I can't wait to to see happen and and see the consequences. Um, I'm I'm doing this kind of press run or whatever to to exercise my abilities to talk to the people that are like Cheryl that are doing the work and then to uh, inspire people out there that might be listening. that I don't talk to on a regular basis that there's lots of stuff happening. And if you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to the radio or you're watching YouTube or whatever it is that your method, there's others out there. So you don't have to listen to them, do whatever you're going to do, but just be aware that there's lots of other stuff out there. And, uh, and just to consider crowdfunding, consider taking $20 each month, which would be $120 or excuse me, it would be $240 for the year. Consider taking $20 a month and give that to 10 different creators on Patreon. That's $2 a piece. That's almost insignificant. And if you don't feel like that has been money well spent by the end of the year, let's talk. And I'll talk about getting your $240 back to you. I'm willing to do that. I'm not rich, but I'm willing to do that because I've had that much satisfaction watching projects happen, watching things that shouldn't exist become real and then change things. So consider that, and uh, there's plenty of opportunity out there uh, on the Patreon platform, on the crowdfunding platforms, and hopefully my ultimate strategy here is if we can show the gun community, the industry, I should say, that there's interest in that, we'll have a firearms-funded crowdfunding uh, project or something that'll happen with industry support so that we don't have to be at the whim of uh, let's just say people that don't have the same dedication to what the Second Amendment protects. So again, the Shooter's Almanac is a 68 page full-color pocket-sized uh, uh, Book that is going to have cartoons in it. It's got timelines. It's got schedules uh, It's something that you can pick up daily. You can see what's going on. So if it's like right now we're in Are we in mental health awareness week? And it was yesterday, I think was yesterday, or was it today? I forget because I'm up all night. Uh, Mental Health Awareness Day, things like that are in there. So something that you might not be aware of, you know it's coming. Now you can prep for it. Now you can do something and, and make people aware of it. And it's not like, oh, that was today or, oh, it was yesterday. So to, to, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept to get Second Amendment into people's lives like that. And thanks for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for doing what you're doing, Cheryl. You're an inspiration.
0: Well, thank you so much, Pete. And you've been very generous and very kind to help connect me with people and help spread the word uh, of the work that I'm trying to do and so many others. You're you're a great networker, and that is such an important role uh, to play in this community. And, And I really value that I've never seen, I've never once seen or heard you take that stance that I was talking about earlier, where if you don't particularly buy into something, you don't dog it down in any way. You talk about what you like, you talk about what you love, you help support people that you believe in. And I think if we all did more of that, we would uh, not only live in a better place, but uh, we would have less of a fragmented um, Second Amendment community, like whatever that is, um, an and advocacy community we would be able to appreciate each other more and, and not focus so much on, well, that guy's not doing it right. That guy's not doing it the way I don't like. Um, so I, I say uh, good good on you, good for you. I appreciate you. And thanks so much. That is uh, Pete Philippe of gun channels and gun websites. And please go to his shootersalmanac.com and help Uh, crowdsource that book. I am excited. As soon as we hang up here, I'm going to go do that myself. Thank you guys again for being with us today. I hope to see everyone at the rally on November 2nd in Washington, D.C. on November 2nd, 2019 at between 1 and 4 p.m. And always stick around because there's always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.